Lord, as we look at this word this morning and just look at the how to overcome fear or help strength to overcome fear, I thank you that you can be with us this morning and guide us. And I pray that some of the points that I bring out today may help people that are out there watching this and that they will become a lot stronger in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Fear is something that is pretty hard to overcome sometimes. I can think of many illustrations in my youthful days where fear overtook me and uh, some of the reactions I did were quite strange and maybe I can just mention those, some of those and the young people will be able to catch on with what I'm talking about. But uh, I, I can remember as a young person, not long after I got my license, breaking down uh, on a strange road that I'd never been on before in the middle of the night and just uh, how fearful I was as a result of that. At a young age, I also used to drive the tractor and do night shifts and sewing sometimes in the middle of the night when you had to shift from one large paddock to another paddock and then walk back in the middle of the night to get the truck. Uh, some of those nights you'd be walking back to, uh, you'd leave the tractor in the middle of the night, you'd be walking in this strange place where we were share farming to the truck and you would hear the owls and you'd hear all the birds and all the night birds and different noises and sometimes you'd start running and even though you only had a little torch and some nights no torch man you could cover some ground really quickly i remember later as a missionary in papua new guinea rarely did i ever go out at night by myself in a vehicle one night i was out uh, a long way from nowhere and the vehicle broke down and you could imagine the fear that overcame me. But I find as you get older, there's some other fears that seem to take hold. Fears of security, fears of when you go through uh, financial problems, uh, health. And it's interesting that the story that we read today is of Abraham who had a major problem. He, he was fearful of his security. Now, Abraham, if we look in the Bible, is, it tells us that he was uh, the father of the faith. Anyone that believed, he was our father. And there's so much about him in the hall of uh, fame or uh, in Hebrews 11 of all the great men of faith. More is about Abraham than anyone else. And yet he had his struggles. One of his problems was he had this really attractive wife, Sarah, and she was a little bit younger than him. And he was afraid that uh, someone might come along and kill him and take his wife. And so he had her to, to say that she was uh, his sister. Now, this wasn't altogether a lie. It, it was partly true because they both had the same father. And that was quite common back there then to, uh, to marry like that. But interesting in this story here that Abraham with all his crew and there was quite a big gathering that he had um, uh, acquired, they were in the southern part of Israel over towards the sea and there was a Philistine area and one of the kings was Abimelech and he had met Abraham one day and he'd said he'd noticed Sarah and Sarah or Abraham had said to uh, Abimelech that that was his sister Abimelech must have gone back to his tents or whatever type of building or home that he had and he realised that that was a fairly attractive lady and so he sent orders 
for that lady, Sarah, to be brought to his home. And Abraham had no choice but to allow that. We know from, as we look later at scriptures, that some time must have gone by. But God came to Abimelech in the middle of the night and gave Abimelech a dream. And in that dream, he said to Abraham, you're as good as dead. Because the reason why is you've taken another man's wife. Abimelech quickly reacted in that dream and said, God, but I thought that was a single lady. I didn't know she was married. I did that in all innocence. And God said, I know that. And for that reason, I've kept you away from that lady. And what you need to do is you need to go to Abraham because he's a prophet and you need to ask him to pray for you and you'll be healed, you'll be forgiven and blessing will continue. And it's interesting that Abimelech did do that and we'll come back and talk a little bit more about that later. And as a result of that, Abimelech did go to Abraham. Abimelech did challenge Abraham or he brought Abraham into his place and said, why did you say that? Why did you tell me this? And Abraham, you could imagine just how embarrassed he was, how wrong he was. But what I want to get across is that faith doesn't come overnight. It takes time. And I see this great guy of Abraham, even he was flawed and he had to grow in God. Let's move on. As I thought about this story, and thought about the different fears that can overtake us, fears of hardship, fears of battle, uh, of health problems that we may face, financial struggles. And some of you right now would be going through that. And because of the situation the world's right in now, some of us it probably hasn't affected a lot, but to others it has. And yet every one of us, I guarantee that there is some fear about the future uncertainties, what's going to happen ahead. And I, I, I prayed when I read that and I thought, God, what are the lessons that you want to teach us out of this? And I came across six points that I want to bring out this morning. And the first one is what I've already partly covered, and that is fear and anxiety can easily take hold of us. And how do we, how do we overcome that fear and anxiety that can take hold of us so easily. Well, the Word of God tells us that we have to live in that, that faith comes from reading the Word, having the Word within us. Interesting in the Bible, uh, and J.L. read one of them today, there is 365 commands that says, fear not, fear not, because God is with you. More than any other commands in the Bible, is that command to fear not. And so how do, we, how do we get that strength? Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. And so when, when the word of God dwells within us, something supernaturally happens because the word of God is alive and living and it supernaturally strengthens us. In our church, we have a couple of older pastors, Graham and Lionel, and they seem, I'd like to say we have our own hall of faith, just as Hebrews 11 is a hall of faith. In this church, we seem to have this hall of faith. 
one of the good things about when we do do church is when I come into church and I see Graham on one side and Lionel on the other, I feel secured. I feel that our church is held up well. And it's interesting that in the last few months, but before Pastor John had come, just about every one of their messages that they gave, they came back to this same point, the importance of having the Word of God in here. And when the Word of God dwells in there, there is a supernatural strength. And I just want to encourage us that we need to let that Word of God dwell in us, and it should be daily. But can I balance it a little? Because there's another story in the Bible where a guy had major problems, and that's Elijah. And we can read this in 1 Kings 19. Elijah had gone through some major uh, situations where he'd seen many, many miracles, and uh, like uh, Abraham, he'd had visitations of God and manifestations of God, and he'd seen great things. Seven years, he was on the run, hiding, um, and then he came out of hiding, and we have the great climax uh, there on Mount Carmel where that he was able to defeat um, the, the heathen god Baal. After that, he ran. And the Bible tells us he ran so fast, he ran faster than the chariot. And then Zezebel, who heard that all the, uh, the bad prophets or the had been killed, had, she was upset and she said, I'm going to get that Elijah and I'm going to kill him and I'm not going to rest until he's dead. And suddenly when Elijah heard that, when the message was sent to him, Elijah crumbled. He totally crumbled. He ran away, he hid under a broom tree and he was totally lost and he said, God, I, I want to die. Can you kill me? I, I, I've had enough. I want to finish. I don't want to do any more of this work. And I think so often, you know, that can happen to us. And what I want to bring out is how God ministered to him. Because God didn't come along and give him the scriptures. He didn't give him one of those 365 promises in the Bible. He didn't tell him he needed to get his butt back into fellowship. Just the way, and I want to read exactly what, happened, what God said. In 1 Kings 19, 5 to 8. And at once, an angel, that is an angel from God, touched him. That's interesting. Touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and he drank and he laid down again. And then the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. I think we could actually say that Elijah was suffering from PTSD. When you look at what he'd gone through, the years of ministry and what he'd experienced and those years of being on the, on the run and then the great climax, and then suddenly something just tipped him. But what I want to bring out is God didn't rebuke him. God didn't, through the angel, God didn't quote scriptures at him. 
God didn't tell him to get his act together. Put your butt in church as if you want to modernise it to today's talk. He didn't tell him it could be much worse than that. And he didn't use something that so many people often say to us when we go through a difficult time. God doesn't give you more than what you can handle. Because that cliche, when that's said to somebody when they're really going through it, actually drives them deeper. Elijah was in a mess. And just think back at the way that God ministered to him. He touched him. He touched him. He fed him. And then it says again, he touched him. And maybe there are times in our life, and maybe some of you, just because of the crisis that we're going through, uh, fear and anxiety has taken over. And the scriptures that I said about, let's read, it, read the word of God, which I do believe is the most primary thing that we can do. But maybe you need a little bit more. Maybe you need that touch of God. Maybe you need someone to come along and literally touch you and give you something. And I hope that the people that are listening to this who are ministering to others, when we find somebody in a real desperate state, don't preach to them. Live Christ out in your life, just as that angel of the Lord did to Elijah. The angel touched him twice and fed him twice. And then Elijah was able to have, can I say, supernatural strength, strength that came from God, uh, even through all that. He was able to go on then and hide in a cave, another cave, and there, eventually, he heard the word of God. He heard God speak to him directly and give him direction. What's the second point I'd like to bring out that I learned from the story of Abimelech? Let's get back to Abimelech, not Elijah, and see the wrong that um, Abraham had made. And the second point that I want to bring out is that half-truths that are told with the intention to cultivate deception are wrong. I think of the number of times that we've probably all been guilty of that. Sowing seeds of deception. We, we, we don't tell any lie, we just tell half a truth with the intention that will sow seeds of deception. That's wrong, it's not right. Abraham did this and boy oh boy did he suffer embarrassment and shame. And the sad thing was that He'd done, this was the second time that he'd done that. And then later, if we read on in scriptures, his own son did the same thing rather than trust. So no matter what, no wonder in court, the old saying was where we swear on the Bible is to tell the truth, the whole truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Not half the truth, the whole truth. The third point that I want to bring out is God's grace and love and protection over his loved ones is always there. Even when we do stupid things. I'm just so blessed when I read this story and I see that both Abimelech and Abraham made a mistake. They both suffered, Abraham made the wrong because he was full of fear. Abimelech suffered by fear when God spoke to him, but that was a good fear. That was a fear uh, that he'd done wrong, that he needed to put it right. But it's interesting that as we read the story, that God overrid the stupidity of Abraham and the 
and two, the wrong of Abimelech. Because Abimelech, we do know, had a God consciousness because he wouldn't have had that dream. And this is 600 years before uh, the children of Israel later came back and took the Canaan land. So it wasn't all ungodly then. Let's get back to the story. I just think of the number of times, and I could give many examples, but I'm not gonna go there, of when I've made mistakes and done silly things. And yet because of God's grace, he's overridden that situation and turned good into it. In James 4, it says, in verse six, it says, he gives us more grace. That is why the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. There's something about it when we show humility and we're humble before God. The grace of God is there and he covers many times our wrong and things that we do that we shouldn't have. In 1 Peter, the same passage is almost repeated um, that James wrote and he's same initial author, the Spirit of God. And this is what 1 Peter 5 verse 5 says, in the same way you are you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders, all of you. Clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but shows favour to the humble. Humble yourself therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxieties, all your cares on him because he cares for you. When we walk with God with humility, and sometimes because we're flawed and we don't mean to make a mistake, but as Abraham made a mistake, I just love the way that God corrected it. Even though God, Abraham was embarrassed and they're, they're, it did affect people, but God stopped it from being a, a major problem. The next point that I want to look at is the fourth point, is God makes it clear here in his word and he does this throughout the New Testament. And we can read of similar things in other parts of Genesis that sins of the flesh are primarily against him. And there are severe consequences when we sin against the flesh. And this is what God says, that primarily those sins are against him. But always remember that God doesn't treat sin lightly. If God treats sin lightly, why did it cost such, a, such an enormous price to cover that sin when he died on Calvary? I'll leave it there. The fifth point that I, wanted, I felt that I, when I looked at this is ignorance doesn't make us always right. I'll say that again. Ignorant doesn't always make us right. You cannot always see the full picture. I don't know about you, but I think of when I was younger, if I'd have been Abimelech, I would have argued even more with God. I would have said, God, but I did this with, as he actually does it in the dream, I did this with integrity of heart. I didn't think I was doing anything wrong. And yet God says to him, I know that, I know that. And then I love the way that he humbled himself and he had to go to a prophet. It, it, actually, what God said, I want you to go to Abraham because Abraham is a prophet. What did God mean by that? 
It meant that Abraham was a wise man and he was a person of intercession. And I want you to ask him to pray for you. You know, all my life I've, I've had to be subject to other people. Even as a missionary, when I was a senior missionary of all the islands, I was still underneath the national uh, leaders. And everything, when I look back in ministry, was everything right? Orders that I was given, times I was corrected, were they right? Well, if I wanted to be honest and argue, I would say no. But like Abimelech, I couldn't see the full picture. And I had to learn that if I wanted the blessing of God in my life, that I had to be submissive to those over me. And that's not easy. That's not easy. And yet I get blessed when I see that Abimelech, when, he, when God challenged him, he submitted to that, even though at first he thought, but I was the right one. I was the one who was wronged. And yet he goes, to, he gets Abraham. He gives him a massive amount of um, contribution for the wrong. And Abraham prays for him. And not only is he healed, but the whole of his family and the whole of his kingdom is healed because it tells us that the wombs were closed up right across and none of them were able to actually um, bear any children or pregnant. So it must have been some time that Sarah had been there in that situation. But when Abimelech showed humility, God blessed him. And the last point I want to bring out is in our life that like Abraham and Abimelech, we're going to have conflict. There's going to be times that... Um, we may not mean to, but we're going to do sin against God. We're going to do wrong. We're going to do wrong to others. But just as there was forgiveness, restoration and reconciliation, and then if we read in the next chapter, there was an ongoing contract. You know, this, that's, that's the love that God has towards us as shown there. God loves us and wants to, to reconcile with us and wants to restore a relationship with us much more than even we want to be right with him. We have a, a, a God that's described in uh, Luke 15 uh, as the father there, when the prodigal son was coming home. When Jesus tries to get the point across, it was only a story that Jesus was giving to get, to get a point across. He describes the father as lifting his tunic and running after that to meet that prodigal son. In that custom where Jesus was teaching that, that was a never, that was a no-no. A father never does that. And yet Jesus wanted to get across just how much God loves us and wants to restore when we fall short. And that father raced after that son and welcomed him with open arms. That's the God we have. Even though we've made a mistake, even though we've fallen short, God still wants, he welcomes us with open arms. I just trust that something that I've covered this morning was, will help you and strengthen you. Maybe you can relate to, to Elijah. Just something has tipped you over the scales and now you can't find an answer. And if that is so, I recommend that after the, we turn this off that you take time out
you go and you just let God touch you. Just let God minister to you, just as he did to Elijah. And Elijah was strengthened, was built up. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you for your love. And even though we are all greatly flawed, just as Abraham was, you still look down at us and see us that are people that can be of great faith and strength. And you show us that love. And I thank you. I thank you for the way that you restored Abraham despite his mistake and how you even you protected Abimelech. I thank you that these men were able to sort things out. And I also thank you, Lord, that that is like us with you. Lord, if there's something not right in our lives, that we can sort that out. And some of the other points there, I pray for those that are struggling, Lord, that have deep problems because of uh, anxiety and it's affected them. And Lord, and they're broken before you. I pray, God, that they will get a real touch from you and be healed in the name of Jesus. And again, I just thank you for your love and your grace that surpasses anything that we can understand. In Jesus' name, amen.